This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by User Interviews. User Interviews connects researchers with quality participants and participants earn money for their feedback on real product. There's a lot of demand for software developers and engineers to provide feedback on products being created for developers. So if you're working in the digital space, this might be a great opportunity for you to provide feedback on some of those products that you use in your work every day. It is free to sign up. You can apply to your first study in under five minutes. And most studies are less than an hour. They pay over $60. Some studies pay several hundreds of dollars for one-on-one -on -one or small group interviews. So you can really get in there and provide your feedback. This is a really interesting platform, especially on the research side, where we're always looking for good studies and good interviews and good participation so that we can conduct our research and get good feedback. So if you are ready to earn extra income from sharing your expert opinion, head over to userinterviews.com hello to sign up and participate today. Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode of the show, I am very excited to talk with Ellie Balk about her work. Who is Ellie Balk, you might ask? Well, you're about to find out, obviously, when you're going to listen to the show. But Ellie is an artist working in the confluence, the intersection of data and a variety of different mediums or media. I don't really know what the right plural word is here. Let's just stick with mediums. She works on pianos. She works with stained glass. She works with murals, ceilings, glass. It is amazing. Her work is fantastic. There is a link to her website in the show notes that you should definitely check out. And she takes data into the community and works with the community, which we know is so important, not just to accurately represent the data that we're working on, but also so that the community will embrace and use our visualizations. So Ellie's working in this public space, something that I'm really excited about to see and to hear more about her work and her background. So I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode of the show. Here is my conversation with Ellie Ball. Hey Ellie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, I am really excited to chat with you. I don't often get to chat with like artists. It's usually data <laughs> geeks and nerds and people steeped in their computer. And so I'm excited to chat with someone who has like stained glass right behind you, which is like pop of color on the show. Is that a color wheel on the door? I just noticed the color wheel on the door. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. Um, I always want to do something with the doors in my office and I never know what to put on the back of them. So maybe a color wheel would be a good like burst of color. Yeah. So I saw your work on Twitter, really excited to chat about um, what you do, how you're inspired and how you you know, combine the data with the art. So maybe we could start with um, a little bit of your background, talk about, you know, how you got to where you are and how you sort of pull from these two, I don't want to say polar opposites, but pretty different areas of art and data. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, I've never been on a podcast before. Oh, wow. so, you know, so. <laughs> um, so I'm a little nervous, but it's good. <laughs> well, uh, the, well, the dozens of listeners will be very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I didn't have a drive to make art when I was a kid. I didn't take art classes. I didn't even take art classes in high school, but 
Um, when I was in high school, I met this art therapist and it really um, kind of opened my eyes into making in order to heal. Mm. And so that's kind of where my background was. And I went to school at Bowling Green State University mm-hmm. and I originally went for art therapy, then an undergraduate program. But when I got there, it was like they were grandfathering it out. Mm. And it the teacher was horrible. The program, the book was like this pink book and it had a duck on it. It was paperback. <laughs> and it was just like the first class we just read the like the entire introduction to the book. And I was like, this is not going to work yeah. for me. Uh, so I dropped uh, the uh, therapy part and just focused on the art part. Mm-hmm. And was able to do a study abroad program through Bowling Green, which mm-hmm. was great. And I went to Italy for a year. Um, and I, that's when I was like first studying like aesthetics and I learned about Walter Benjamin and the work of art in the age of mechanical reproduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all about like the art and authenticity of a work when you see it as an original. Yeah. So I had taken like an anthology art history class. So I get to Italy and I'm seeing all this work that I just studied. Right. And I'm seeing it come off the page in real life. And yeah. I had really like powerful experience, but then also I'm seeing all this artwork behind scaffolding and being restored. Yeah. Um, and then seeing the work of like Giacometti, like pristine and bright. And it's like, this is not right. what it's supposed to be. And as uh. a normal 20 year old learning something for the first time, I was enraged, you know, so, <laughs> like, I, this isn't right. We must right. art off the pedestal. Right. Um, but really that is kind of the, the seed of the work that I'm making now. I really wanted to make work that was interactive that you could touch. Um, I started making like 2d sculptures. Um, when I was in, in Italy, I had, just a lot of really big ideas and a Mm -hmm. lot of, I felt really seen there by my professors and they um, gave me a studio. They were like, okay, let's just put you like an advanced painting or whatever and give me a studio, but I wasn't painting. But as soon as I got in there, I started painting. So I didn't have like a formal education because when I got back to Bowling Green, I was kind of like in advanced painting classes. Mm -hmm. So I got kind of fast tracked through that and um, just really started a lot of collaborative work um, there. So, but so, so when you were doing your studies, like what type of painting were you doing? Was it, you know, abstract art? Was it, I mean, Um, well, when I first started painting, I would like paint with anything that wasn't a paintbrush. So it was really about like the physicality of it, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of like impasto and like painting um, with, uh, with the palette knife. But for me, I mean, I was doing oil painting and that's when I really realized that I had kind of an innate relationship with color. Mm -hmm. Like there was something, um, I could visualize a color and be able to mix it, um, all the time. And so my colors really like came through, through, painting and oil painting specifically, which I, gotcha. I haven't done in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. So before we get into the data piece, so a lot of your work and I'll link to your website on the show notes so people can, there's a big, so for folks who don't know, there's a big like portfolio of images of, of your art. 
Um, <clears throat> sorry, a lot of it is stained glass. So I'm curious, like, where did you add that skill into your tool? Like a year ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Now the yeah. stained glass is like pretty new. I've done a I did a couple projects uh, yeah. using stained glass um, with my, I have a teaching partner in Brooklyn and uh, we work with high school students and yeah. I did a couple stained glass projects with the high school students. Mm. Um, but as far as like my work, uh, it's only been in like the last year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow, that's pretty cool. That's but pretty it's cool. a fun medium. I'm like, super, yeah. been super into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you go to Italy, you have the uh, <laughs> awakening, the art yes. awakening. So where does the data piece come in? So, I mean, I think it was kind of always there. I mean, I think um, when I went to grad school, so after Bowling Green, I took some time, then I moved to New York. Uh, I went to Pratt uh, and got my master's in fine art there. And um, I was doing a lot of the collaborative stuff, but I was really, looking back on it now, it seems really fresh. But when I was making it, it was like I was just making work about things that were happening to me every day. So it mm -hmm. was data visualization. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the moment making work about the moment, it has no value. Right. But so I kind of got rid of everything. And now I'm looking back and I remember this one painting I made for my niece's second birthday that I was missing. Yeah. And she's 20 now. And like, how <laughs> cool would it be to have this? It was, it was really fresh. Yeah. But, you know, in the moment it, I was working on found objects. And um, so the data kind of started there or made it seem like it wasn't so far off. Um, I was doing a lot of collaborative work. Um, my thesis show was like, you know, throwing a party and I had people clocking in and out. So I was like collecting oh, yeah. data. I gave people roles and they had to wear, I made them crowns. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was so fun. Um, <laughs> and we played games and, you know, and I was collecting data, um, in that, but my first public art piece, uh, which is called you are here, which is on the corner of Vanderbilt and DeKalb. Um, in like where the neighborhoods of Clinton Hill and Fort Greene come together. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, I made this in 2008. And this is when there was just a lot of gentrification, a lot of change happening in the neighborhood. Uh, we had this flea market come in, uh, mm -hmm. the Brooklyn flea, and it brought in droves of people from other neighborhoods. And I think, you know, and from Manhattan, they're looking around like, oh, this is nice, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, I saw a lot of my neighbors moving out some things that were cool about that, I mean, I missed my neighbors, but, you know, they had bought those houses for twenty, thirty thousand dollars right. and when they're selling them for $4 million, yeah. you know, they're like leaving a legacy for, for their family. Um, but the neighborhood was just changing so much. I mean, like the mm -hmm. faces were changing and the vibe was changing. Um, so I wanted to create a piece that really celebrated home. So I decided to do a circle map and I took out all the street map. Actually, I have it like tattooed. Oh, wow. Here. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I took out all the street names um, and then I invited people to come and put a dot where they lived. Uh -huh. And what was interesting is that it really started to get people to talk about where they live and it broke down all these barriers and people were connecting. Um, but for me, it created my first data visualization Yeah, and I was looking at it and really thinking about like how far people go to get to that spot and really like what defines community, what mm -hmm. defines your area, because 
you know, I live farther away, but I have to travel farther to get to that spot. And so my community is bigger than if I live across the street. Yeah. So um, it was really interesting. And that really started me doing data visualization. Yeah. Um, And so then I'm curious then when it comes to your work now, what is the process like? I mean, so um, like there's one on here that I was trying to like dig into. It's called what's your number. And it looks like um, a pedestrian walkway, like an elevated pedestrian walkway. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so like when you are commissioned to do a work, does the client say, here's the data we want you to use? Or do they just say, we want something data. What is that process like? Um, and then I just want to know how you like actually get up onto the bottom of this elevated walkway and <laughs> do the work. <laughs> Um, well, it's really, it's different every time, but I, I mm-hmm. do feel really lucky that most of the time people come to, to me and say, we want something mm-hmm. and then we discuss what that something is going to be. Gotcha. So it's usually starting with a specific space, mm-hmm. um, like we want something for this space. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then I'm, I'm able to kind of go from there. So I see. So, th- so they say we have this huge, I don't know, side of our building or area in our inside and it's this huge wall. Why do they want data rather than just a piece of abstract art? Like what, is, what yeah. is that like? Yeah. Well, a lot of people do just want a piece of abstract art mm-hmm. or they want, you know, murals of, of people's faces. Right. So, right. You know, it's funny. I, I was telling a friend recently, I kind of stopped applying for things a few years ago because I think that people have a very traditional idea of what a mural is. And so yeah. unless I'm unless I'm invited to something, it's like I, I don't usually get it if I apply for some sort of mural because if they don't have this idea already about, mm-hmm. you know, about engaging community in this way or, um, you know, creating something that's this abstract or, uh, this involved then. Yeah. Important. Yeah. So I guess more about the process. I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah. So, so let's say you go in and you have this conversation and you know, I don't know, like, I, I guess uh, coming from the data side, I'm curious, yes. like, do you go in and find some data and then do you, I'm guessing you do a whole bunch of sketches before you actually like build something. And then like, so how does that, yeah. yeah. So like, what's that data to, to final product? Okay. Like? So yeah. I'm, I usually look at the space first. Okay. Um, and sometimes the inspiration comes really fast in the space and I can see it. There's, you know, it can go two different ways. I don't usually like when I see it first because then I have to find the data to fit within this vision that I've yeah. seen. So it's much better for me if I can just learn the limitations of the space. I'm very inspired by limitations. Um, mm. So, you know, I know that it has to be out of glass or it has to be painted and we have to take over the whole area or like these are the goals or whatever that is. And then lately what I like the most is doing like a survey. So uh-huh. I'll kind of talk with whoever's paying for it. <laughs> what, you yeah. know, like what, what do we want to talk about? Or if I'm given free range, like what, a you know, I did a project for Spotify that was um, really one of my favorite projects and, um, they really gave me free range and I was able to just be inspired by the space. And I was really thinking a lot about color and sound. And mm-hmm. so I made a piece that, you know, tried to 
create like a chromatic definition of sound. It was completely oh, arbitrary and amazing. It was so much fun to make. <laughs> um, so, you know, in that case, I, I created kind of a framework for the data where I, I made a list of words that describe both color and sound. And then mm -hmm. I attributed a specific color to each word. And those colors came directly from their color deck. So all oh. the colors that Spotify uses. So right. I was able to relate all of that. So one thing that's really important to me is that the work really fits in the space that it's in. So mm -hmm. for that one, it was important to use kind of their color palette, sure. their big color palette, which was nice yeah. um, because it really does match the space, you know? Right. Um, so then uh, I took those colors and those sounds and I ended up working with this guy, Glenn McDonald, who is like the data, they call him the data alchemist of Spotify. <laughs> he is the one who creates the algorithms for the Discover Weekly. Which oh, I okay. All right. Obsessively. Um, <laughs> super cool. Um, so I got to work with him and he's working on this other project where he is um, creating genres, subgenres, and I don't know where it's at now, but when we were working together, the genres were at like... 3,000, 4,000 different genres. Wow. So I worked with him to create a specific song that would go with each color. We started with genre and then we picked song and yeah. we worked on a playlist together. And then we sent it out to Spotify employees where they then attributed the color to the word and then a color to the sound. Right. So the visualization was basically like how many people agree with me. Right. <laughs> You like crowdsourced the, the association. Yeah. So uh, it was really, really interesting. And then so I created the the mural ended up being on the ceiling and then it bent over onto the wall. So it oh. kind of like the, the axis went straight down the middle and then the sound data was on one side and the word data was on the other. Yeah. And so it was super complicated. And, you know, I sometimes wonder... <laughs> do people ever really get it? Like, right. I'll look back on them sometimes and I'm even confused and I made it. So, <laughs> um, but I think there's something interesting about that. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is interesting back to your point about community, right? Like if you are a Spotify employee and you got this survey or yeah. email, whatever it was, you know, every day you walk into the office, you know, and you see this mural, it reminds you of, I mean, can remind you of that experience yeah. of, of this data collection. Um, well, and it's yours. And yeah. I, I think that that's something I learned really early on. Uh, I was doing a teaching artist residency and I was showing slides of this collaborative mural. I used to do like collaborative murals with different organizations and stuff. And this girl was like, oh, I made that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you did. Like yeah. that's yours, you know? And so... Um, you know, when someone paints a wall, it becomes theirs when they're involved in a project, it's, it's, it's there. So I really love any opportunity that I can use this work to really bring people together. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. There is a whole discussion in the research world about, you know, trying to understand people and having them own a bit of the research in terms of, you know, not own the science of it, but own the, the, the outcomes, mm -hmm. right? That there's a recommendation and that's how you really connect with people. But to data, I'm curious about how you think about sort of engagement and inspiration. I mean, obviously your work is going to be different than someone working in a Excel dashboard or, you know, an R, you know, a map built in R. But do you think about, 
your work as being inspiring or being engaging or telling stories, or is just all of those things sort of wrapped together? Um, and it feels like it's very like you're trying to make it personal for people who are viewing it. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's all the things wrapped together, you mm -hmm. know, like, I hope that there is an experience. I mean, I want the work to stand on its own as being just something really beautiful and interesting to look at. Yeah. And then there's that second layer uh, to it of it really telling a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want it to be all of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to go back a little bit. So what is the um, in-between point? So let's say the Spotify project, uh, it's kind of a perfect example. So you've actually collected all the data. Yeah. So then before you go paint it on the wall, what is your process like? Like, are yeah. you drawing a million different drafts and, or, but are you working yeah. on the computer too? Like, how do you, like, what is that so, process like? Yeah. I mean, this is, <laughs> so I'm not in, I have no background in mathematics or data. Like I was not good and not a good student in school. So like a lot of this stuff, sometimes it's like everything is a little bit backwards, I think. Um, but I do, you know, start with like a spreadsheet. Um, my best friend's like a, a whiz with Excel. So she'll often help me sort <laughs> things and do, you know, all the crazy Excel stuff if I want to see something in a certain way. Right. Um, so she'll help me clean up the data but it, it's difficult because if I have an idea and I want to see something, it'll take me eight hours to mm -hmm. visualize, you know, I had to create the system and create that. And I'm doing most of my stuff in Illustrator, but I'm doing it all. You know, I figure out all the math for, you know, for have a unit of 10, like what, what's the size of each unit and how am I going to upscale that? And so, um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, I'll do something and then I'm like, Oh, I hate it. You know, yeah, and then I'll right. do another one and another one. So the, the design process for me is pretty slow. Mm -hmm. um, it's great when it happens fast, but it, it just, it doesn't usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever worked through that process and gotten to the point where you were maybe satisfied with something and then realized it doesn't quite work in the space? Well, I think I'm always thinking about the space first. Okay. Well, like I'm not, that's creating all my limitations. Yeah. And that's very important. All the work belong is made for that space that it's right. in. So, right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, so then when it comes to putting in the final piece, this is like me having no idea how this works. Like, for the Spotify piece, I have this vision of you like Michelangelo, like on the on the scaffolding, like painting on the ceiling. Like, is that is that how it's working? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was my second uh, ceiling piece. And I was like, I'm never doing this. <laughs> um, but I did it again. Um, yeah. I, that was um, great. My friend Allie Meyer helped me uh, and we had scaffolding that was at like six feet and we stood on the scaffolding. And I think the most difficult, I'm going to say difficult, but it was also the most fun. I get really into the math, but in like a beautiful mind sort of way, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. I love getting, like, I just finished this piece in Morocco. I made a, um, a giant sundial and I was like, for an entire week, I was just beautiful minding out. Like I was just like, right. and I have no idea what I'm doing. And so, um, but it was, you know, the, the math on the Spotify piece was so complicated. Um, yeah. 
and the measurements were so complicated. So I got one of those, um, like electric rulers that you could go to like the micro because yeah. I get, I do get like really into the data and it becomes mm. super important that I just, you can't fudge it because if you fudge this one, then it's all of it is off. And when yeah. I'm upscaling from, you know, a piece of paper to this, it's like, I can't, I don't, I don't, I just, I get re really into it, but gotcha. it's awesome when I'm working with other people. Um, cause I often, you know, work with assistants or work with students. And I love when there's this shift for everyone where like a color becomes a number or we start speaking in this other language yeah, yeah. about making this piece. And so that's kind of, I don't know, that's like a little piece. Yeah. That's really, that, that's <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. I mean, the upscaling is really interesting too, right? Because when you're in the digital world, like, you know, most data visualization folks are, you just change the number of pixels on the dashboard and yeah. you just go and you don't have to really think about, you know, paper to wall yeah, or even like desktop to mobile because, you know, <laughs> the, the platform is going to kind of do it for yeah. you. Um, so do you have a favorite um, medium to work with or work on? I mean, I imagine like, the Spotify ceiling is like drywall, but then you've got like a lot of outdoor pieces that are presumably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have like a favorite that you like to work with? Um, no. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I was painting mostly murals for mm -hmm. a long time. And I think um, I'm really excited about kind of breaking out of that. And since breaking out of that, I, I just finished a project a mural project and I brought a friend on with the project and I was like, man, I haven't painted in so long. Mm. I mean, it felt, but there was something like that felt really good about it. Uh, painting is really, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not easy, easy, but uh, it's a lot easier than, you know, stained glass or ceramic right. or whatever right. else I've been up to. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really happy to be breaking out of it and learning new things. I mean, before last year, I didn't know how to do like caning with stained glass. I never worked in ceramics before. And then I got to make these two huge pieces. So mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about is color. You, you touched on it mm -hmm. earlier. I mean, the one thing that really, um, I mean, literally jumps off the page. Well, not literally, because that would be scary, but but really jumps off the page on your on your portfolio is you use a lot of bright color in your work yeah. and i'm not sure i really have a well-formed question on that but just maybe it's what is your thought process when it comes to using color because in in the sort of you know digital data viz world it's always a challenge and color is so important when it comes to making your your graphs but what is your again i don't really have a well-formed question here but like what is your color what is your what do you think about when you're when you're working in all these on all these colors yeah um, I think we touched on it a little bit and I, and, you know, I think that the color, I really want the pieces to belong to a space. So mm -hmm. color is really important in that I can spend a lot of time to make like a lot of time making a palette. Um, but I also love to like go to a space and pick up the color from that space. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a project um, over the pandemic with uh, the residents at uh, Gouverneur Hospital. Um, and it was 
it was really powerful. And what, you know, they're, they're so proud about their neighborhood and they, you know, weren't able to leave the facility at all. So I went around and I took pictures mm-hmm. um, and then brought them back and then we picked the palette from there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was taking the, the colors directly from the neighborhood and color matching it. And picked it, um, picked the colors with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I definitely see this theme of community and connections in, in all of your yeah. work. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And I, so anytime, um, you know, I've been really lucky to do a handful of residencies. And so when I go, you know, I'll just go around and start collecting color from things that I find or things that I see. Usually I do that through physical object, which I think is, is really interesting too, like paint chips. Um, and so that really informs the color as well. Um, but sometimes it's intuitive too. I, I remember I did this project um, in 2011. It was called Sound Waves. And the color palette was just pretty intuitive. I mean, I was just kind of starting out too. So um, I just made the color palette. Uh, and then I painted this huge, it was 160 feet under the BQE uh, the, and in Brooklyn. And I painted it and then I looked around and I realized that like that building was the same color as in the mural and that building showed up in the mural and I was like okay like I just I wish I would have paid more attention right I would have been smart but uh I'm glad that it like just came in anyway so it ended up like seamlessly fitting into that space yeah um so that was lucky yeah that's that's really cool but it is a good reminder I think to again back to the Tableau Excel D3 folks of the world like there are ways to pull colors, not just randomly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, it's a huge challenge in creating a palette. Like I did that series of visualized pie murals Mm -hmm. and sound projects. And, you know, with pie, it was difficult because I would create a palette, but every color needs to look good next to each color, no matter where it shows up. Right. So, you know, really thinking about tone and like, so I use um, paint chips when I mm-hmm. do So I've collected paint chips from every paint company. <laughs> I just go and collect one by one. Yeah. Um, but it's nice because I can, you know, I can kind of spread that all out and I can move stuff around and make sure that it's going to work. I mean, if mm-hmm. I'm working with a set of data where I know exactly how things are going to show up, I can be much more controlled, like the stained glass project. But right. that's different too, because with glass, which is so exciting and why I'm very excited about it with the color. Like, I don't know what that piece is going to look like until the entire thing is installed. Right. Like this last piece that I did. Oh, I have a cat on my lap now. <laughs> We're pro pet on, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was, I don't even know how, that was a huge project. And like, I'm, you know, looking at, you see the palette is actually right there behind mm-hmm. So, you know, I could kind of see what it was going to look like, but you put it up and then there's a tree behind it or there's, you know, it's not sunny or, you know, and then all the color changes. So I've been thinking a lot about that. um, And I think I really want to play with layering color uh, with glass. Right. That could be really interesting. Yeah. And the color can change over the course of the day, right? As that, as the sun moves. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. You kind of have almost... Kind of limited control. There's the cat. Yeah. There's a cat <laughs> in front of the mic now. Yeah. Well, Ellie, this has been great. I'm a big fan of the work. Thanks. Appreciate you coming on the show and uh, yeah, sharing all of the process and hopefully folks can pull some out of this. For those who are, you know, more 
digitally minded, they can use some of this in their own, their own. Yeah. Work, so. Well, if anybody wants to collaborate and teach me how to use the technical tools, we can, we can do that. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. Yeah. For those who are listening or watching, I put <laughs> Ellie's site and Instagram and email on the show notes. So you can reach out if you want to, uh, if you want to be Ellie's Excel go-to person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. Ellie, thanks so much for coming on the show. I, I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really do hope you'll check out Ellie's website, check out some of her art, check out, there's some really great high resolution photographs over there of her different installations and her different projects. And I hope you'll check out all the great things that she's working on on her Twitter feed as well. So thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the show. Lots going on on the policyviz.com website from blogs and other podcasts and different resources. So please do check them out. And until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A whole team helps bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Intro and outro music is provided by the NRIs, a band based here in Northern Virginia. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsky Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy Viz podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. But if you would like to help support the show financially, please visit our Winnow app, PayPal page, or Patreon page, all linked and available at policyviz.com.